If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Grab your credential. It's time to go inside Press Row with Jordan Breen on the SureDog.com blog. Welcome inside Press Row. I'm Jordan Breen. Surely, it's not necessary for me to point out it's fight week. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not just any fight week, barring last-minute insanity, which I guess could happen to at least one of the parties. Daniel Cormier and John Jones will finally have the rematch over two and a half years in the making and the potential culmination, or maybe acceleration, of MMA's greatest rivalry ever. So there's a million angles you could possibly tackle Cormier Jones to from, a million prisms to bend its brilliant light through. And frankly, we've got a roundtable to do X's and O's. So to talk about maybe the best fight we've ever seen and all its significance and glory, I thought to, I thought it best to seek out the best. Former SureDog.com editor, now working for The Guardian. He's the author of Ali vs. Inoki, the forgotten fight that inspired mixed martial arts. He's won half the Outsiders podcast with the SureDog himself, Jeff Sherwood. It's the big homie, Josh Gross. Josh, first of all, I threw some superlatives out there. I called this the greatest rivalry in MMA ever and uh, the best fight with regards to, I guess, its, its hype, its build, its significance. Do you agree with those assessments? Uh, you have cases to make, Jordan. I think so. Um, well, you know, I threw that out on tr- Twitter. I was like, this could be the best rivalry, best tw- the best trilogy if, if Cormier ends up beating Jones in this fight on Saturday. And people are like, no, what about Edgar Maynard? And, you know, what about Diaz McGregor? But, you know... This fight feels like it's rooted in more than just what happens in the cage. There's, there, there's something, um, I don't want to say base about it, because I don't want to like knock it down a few levels, but there's just something really inherent in this fight that just feels real. Um, and it's not just about, although on some level, you know, it, it really matters, that like who's the best? Because you can kind of answer that question with, with, with who wins this fight. I mean, really. And um, I, it does feel like there's... Like both these guys sense that sort of thing, and because of that, the stakes are raised. Now they've been knocked down. It hasn't gone the way that we would have hoped it would have gone. wasn't as clean necessarily. You know, this fight should have happened already. But you know, here we are again. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, days away from it from it happening. And um, I'm excited. I mean, I I think I think you can make the case if if this fight on Saturday is extremely competitive and Daniel Cormier wins, then yes, I think this will be the best trilogy in MMA history. And the third fight will be gangbusters for the UFC in terms of uh, making money and being able to sell a thing. So um, I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to it for a lot of reasons. I think you get to the heart of what I think are the two best qualities for any sporting rivalry to have, or maybe any competitive rivalry. Uh, There's a, you know, rivalries are either built on, at, at best, or at, at most social, this distant kind of tense love-hate relationship by two 
athletes or performers thrust next to one another at worst or maybe most deleterious and antisocial you get true hatred but you still want it to be based on the idea of how competitive these people are whether or not there's a real question of merit and we've got the best fighter facing one of the best fighters ever and john jones had the the quote on the conference call that you know for all john jones warts it's not like he's not insightful and incisive sometimes he pointed out that after Saturday night, Daniel Cormier will just be defined by being one of John Jones' best challengers. And that's the kind of thing Dan Cormier's up against. But I think when you go back to before kind of their cancerous relationship really metastasized and turned into this insane, over-the-top uh, barrage of ad hominem attacks, the thing that really seemed to blow Dan Cormier's mind the most and what seemed to to rile him up in the first fight was the idea of like, I've competed my whole life and like, I've never got to the, the precipice. Mm-hmm. How does, how does this asshole get to do it? Like, how does he get to be the guy that, that is in charge and everyone lionizes and pretends to be a good Christian and is the face of this company. And I've had to go through all this in my life. I'm a good person. This can't be the guy. Even before the first fight, that famous ESPN showdown, one of the lines is, it's not that I can't lose, it's that I can't lose to this guy. Um, but he did. And, he did. And, and Jones brings up real points, and points that I'm sure consume Cormier as, as much of a competitor as that guy is. You know, he, he, he didn't get to where he wanted to go, and that'll wear on a person. I mean, I remember talking to Randy Couture a long time ago about sort of some of his failures competitively and, and how he got over those hurdles and, and got to the point where he could believe in himself to, to get to the championship level. And obviously a championship in the UFC at the time that Randy Couture reigned is a different thing than being an Olympic champion entirely. But it, you, you have to sort of go through processes and prepare yourself to be that. And, and I'm not saying that Daniel didn't do it, and, and Daniel could have done all those things, but the fact of the matter is John Jones is a freak. Like, he is just a straight freak, a physical freak. And he works hard, and for all his, as you put it, warts, and for all the things that have taken away from his greatness, he is still that great, right? He is still that amazing a physical specimen. And, and that, at the end of the day, will resolve more questions than anything else. I think Daniel Cormier is physically prepared to beat John Jones. I think he's mentally prepared to beat John Jones. I think at his best he can beat John Jones, but I, I don't I don't know that that happens because Jones' best just seems to be better than Cormier's best. We'll still see what happens on fight night. I know Cormier will come to fight. The first fight showed a lot. First fight definitely showed that they'll be competitive, uh, and for three rounds it was very competitive. I have no reason to suspect it'll be any different. In fact, I think it'll be more competitive this time around. Um, and so if Cormier is ever going to be John Jones, it's going to be this Saturday. What are your other favorite sporting rivalries or maybe non-sporting rivalries? What are like the kind of other, uh, competitive relationships that inspire or excite your imagination most? I mean, I'm a Dodger fan. So Dodgers giants, <laughs> I mean, Dodgers giants is number one. Um, but then you, you look well, at the natural, you're, you're a Dodgers fan, you're a Dodgers fan and you're a fan of violence. So obviously Dodgers giants. Yeah. But for me, it was, I mean, the, you know, the real violent stuff, uh, I mean, I guess that still is modern day, but you think of like, you know, uh, Willie McCovey taking a bat to a guy and Juan Marichal and all these sorts of things. Uh, that was before my time. I'm not that old. And uh, yeah, certainly like, you know, stick and ball sports. I mean, the, the rivalry is sort of our natural. A lot of them are geographic. Um, but in, in, in a one-on-one, mono-a-mono kind of thing, 
I mean, what's the best? What's the best off the top of your head, Jordan? What's the best boxing rivalry that you can remember? It's it's Ali Frazier because Ali again, Frazier. it's yeah. it's competition. It's right. the golden era that people associate with the ring, and it's spawned, if not if not in its exact shape, color, and texture, it's spawned the same general species of hatred right. that Jones and Cormier had. I mean, and Mono, betrayal and betrayal. There's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to it, right? Yeah. These, and these there's like this self there's this respect that rivals gain for one another. Even though the like it's rooted in a, a, it can be a hatred or just a deep desire to beat that person. I mean, you can respect someone and still want to beat them badly, but um, you know sometimes these things metastasize and become more. And, and Ali Frazier was certainly that, and Jones Cormier has the potential for that. You you look at the way that they regard one another, the way that they talk to one another. I don't get the sense this is some chael son and shtick. This it's is not. this is this is real, and most of it was rooted on. Well, I'm the best. No, no, no. I'm the best. You know, and that's that's a hard guy for the for the one who falls short to deal with. And so Cormier's got to come with an argument. He can't argue that he's the best, even though he says he has all the lines. He's like, well, you know, Jones is not the champion. He cost himself all these things. He speaks truth, but the fact of the matter is that he didn't beat John Jones, and John Jones knows that. Now, does, does Jones sort of rest on that and sort of accept it? Like this guy's not on my level. Does that mean he falters? Does it drive Cormier to find another uh, sphere of greatness for himself? I don't know. But, you know, some of these times when, when, when great rivals, especially great competitive rivals, continue to face one another, they elevate one another. And that's what I'm expecting on Saturday. Even though Jones has only fought once in two and a half years and it wasn't a great performance, I'm expecting the best John Jones we've seen. And maybe that's too much and that's unfair to him considering this his lack of ring time and really it's hard to be sharp and yeah, he maybe has more skills this time around, and maybe he's uh, more uh, conditioned, and he's stronger because he put the time in the gym. It's hard for him to reach his peak greatness as a fighter if you're not fighting. And that's the one thing Cormier has done. And I think he's been really battle-tested and put through the fire. And for me, this is why I'm expecting, if Jones is going to be his best, Cormier is certainly going to be his best. And I, th I think he'll bring out what we saw when Jones fought Gustafson. It's a different style fight, but I expect Jones to have to dig deep in certain spots. Um, and if not, then, hey, let it be said that John Jones is the best we've ever seen because that, that would be a statement about that. Well, I mean, the thing that's amazing about the Gustafson fight is, like, if, if I do want to talk more about the inactivity in a second, but I want to go back to another thing. But first, I, I will say that the thing that's remarkable with the Gustafson fight is it's not even just that he took over late and needed to win the championship rounds to win in the eyes of everyone and the judges. One of those great times that everyone's view, judges included, was in lockstep with what actually happened in, in like, a great all-time historic fight. But it's... When he lands the spinning back elbow, it just goes on like a light switch. He goes from being a dude that was like a 6-1, to 7-1 to one favorite, a dude this was supposed to be a perfunctory title defense, and all of a sudden he is just blowing it, and people are gobsmacked. I mean, Gustafson took him down. It was like just standing in the stands. I remember watching with Mike Bond just being like, what is this? And... When he realized that, like, like you said, Josh, he had to dig deep. It was like now or never. There's, you know, five and a half, six minutes left in this championship fight. He lands a spinning back elbow of all things, and the rest is history. So, knowing that, knowing that when inspiration strikes this man, he does seem to be at when, when a particular kind of inspiration strikes John Jones, he seems to be at his finest. Maybe there's something there. I want to go back to the idea of, you know, the idea of Cormier is maybe a, a never quite was if he loses again. Even when Cormier talks about being the champion, 
how does he couch it? What does he say about John Jones? He doesn't even really say, well, I, I should have beat this man the first time. I'm going to beat him this time. He says, I didn't crash my Bentley. I can get my, you know, I can get hard. I'm, I'm not, and literally the line they use all the time. I'm not a bad person. Like, and, and that's what I think is so salient about this rivalry and what informs this fight. And, and what probably bolsters and, and informs John Jones' newfound, I don't care that I'm a bad person and I'm unrepentant, but unrepentant about it, public persona, is Dan Cormier clearly has conflated the idea of goodness and greatness because, how, like, I mean, what else is there to believe in? You know, John Jones is a terrible, on their best days, John Jones is a terrible woeful style matchup for Daniel Cormier. And I think you saw it at UFC 182. But in this situation, what can this man hold fast to to believe he can do this? Other than the idea of just, this man is a monster and I'm a better person. And that's well, why I'm the champion. And that's why I'll win. That's maybe an that's inspirational not, that's not way to serve. complete things. Yeah, no, that's, maybe, yeah, gonna... that's what I mean. Is, is, yeah. it, is that valid inspiration? And, and, it, and if it falls down... How heartbreaking is that? Because, again, Dan Cormier's entire life is getting this close and having things taken away from him. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't think that Daniel Cormier feels like he's going to beat John Jones because he's a better person. I, I, I think that's a line maybe to try and hope to bother Jones and get under his skin. And even though it's not sawn and stick, I mean, it's, it's real. It's head games. Lots of bad people have been incredible competitors and winners, okay? That's, it's, it sometimes comes with the territory because for you to be a great winner – Sometimes you have to be extremely selfish and like forget your family, forget anything else that matters. It's just about you in that moment and winning. And the best of the best, very rarely will you see unreal competitors, unreal winners who are genuinely good people. It, it doesn't, it's a rare thing. Much more common, sort of the Jones route. Well, I mean, and, there was even a New York Post article that ran. Now, I, know, I know the New York Post, whatever. But it, it was a distillation of someone who used to work for the ATP. They'd done, like, a, a podcast interview. And they were talking about, like, hey, yeah, Roger Federer won Wimbledon. And he's this picture of uh, humility and grace and sportsmanship now. But actually, when he was 16, 17 years old and first started playing internationally as a pro, he was a petulant child who would just scream ACDC lyrics in the rental car and rather than practice would cut, like, pro wrestling promos that he'd seen on television and it's this moment where you realize like oh wow like maybe maybe like even the most competitive people who also happen to be brilliant sportsmen really do have something inside them and one of the lines like in it is even to this day you know even though he's like a professional now an ambassador for the sport people don't realize what kind of personality roger really has and and how loud he likes to be and how assertive he likes to be and it's this complete opposite portrait of the man that tennis fans have come to know for 15 years right and that's interesting and and that's tennis okay yeah it's like that's tennis this is this is not just competition and this is not just sport like you are fighting another human being who is incredibly skilled and incredibly dangerous and you can be hurt and so you have to take that competitive drive that you have and take it to a different place and all the experiences that i've had being around great fighters you know, there are different methods and different pathways to get to here, but you have to find a place where you're willing to put yourself through hell to give another person like a really, really, really bad time and be totally comfortable with that. And um, the fact that these two men don't like one another serves that. Um, the fact that they're both driven competitors serves that, especially Cormier. I feel like Jones has been a guy who's had physical gifts and he's sort of 
you know, he hasn't he hasn't made the mistake of just thinking that those physical gifts will get him by. That I mean, he he has missed some opportunities because I think he's been arrogant in that. But he's also worked hard. I mean, if you talk to people around him and and, and at Jackson's and you know, th- there is this sense that that Jones, when he's working and preparing, that it's you know it, it's with purpose. So he hasn't thrown it all away. He hasn't been so arrogant to assume that just because I'm so much longer and so much more athletic and so much sort of physically gifted than my opponents that it'll, it'll just happen that way. And hopefully he's realized these lessons too. I mean, you brought up Gustafson. You know, Gustafson brought out the best in him. Stylistically, it was a different fight for Jones, um, a, a difficult fight for Jones. He's never really fought anyone on his eye level with the reach and everything else. How funny Gust- is that, Josh? How funny is that? I brought it up. Gustafson was supposed to be such a walkover stopgap contender that the tagline for 165 was literally greatness is within reach. The idea for the entire fight was you should care because this like impossible underdog who's going to get whipped by the best fighter in the world. At least he's tall. And it did turn out to be formative. It's like one of the great, it figures that when the UFC actually comes out with the tagline that informs the fight, it's something that seems preposterous and idiotic beforehand. Yeah. Look, I was down in San Diego with Gustafson a week before that fight. And I sense being around him and kind of just once in a while I, I get these sort of little, you know, my, the antenna go up. And, and you get a sense that this is a man who is not just unafraid because most of these guys walk in and men and women walk into a fight unafraid. That's just what they're made of. It's weird. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm not built that way. Maybe you are. But um it, it, it was more than that. It was just a confidence that, like, I'm going to be able to do what I want to do in this fight. Yes, I'm going to be able to take him down. He was talking in ways that convinced me. I, I, I left San Diego feeling like this will be a highly competitive fight. And um, did I think that Gustafson really would beat Jones in the end? No. Did I know that Jones was out there, you know, basically parting and living it up and not really caring too much about Gustafson? Uh, I mean, maybe there was some of that, but I didn't realize to, to the extent. So, you know, th- that fight transpired the way it did. And Jones is lucky. Jones is lucky to have gotten away with that win. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if he feels similarly about Cormier, like he was fortunate to have beaten Cormier in some ways. He, he, he took a lot of shots in those first three rounds. He took punishment, though. He was bloodied up after that first round. So, you know, I, I think that experience for him, realizing that, for all his put-downs of Daniel Cormier, for all this stuff about, oh, you're not on my level, this, that, he knows the truth because he spent 25 minutes in a ring with, in a cage with him, and it wasn't an OSP 25 minutes. It was like a real 25 minutes. So he has to come into this fight prepared for everything, prepared for the worst. And while I think he believes he'll walk through Cormier, and I think he believes that he's got physical advantages that should benefit him compared to fighting someone who's similar like Augustuson. Because uh, let's be real, like you said, Cormier physically, and I don't know about stylistically, but physically, you know, it, it, it's a perfect fight for John Jones. It's a perfect matchup for him, which is why when I felt these two, when they were going to compete against one another, I always favored Jones in a big way. I felt like this is just too much of a task for Daniel Cormier. But you, you look at what Jones has done to himself and – you know, despite the time in the gym, he he has not progressed as a fighter because of because of the actions he's taken over the last two and a half, three years. And has Cormier done enough to close the gap? I think he's done enough to close some gap. I think there's no question he's going to be sharper. 
think there's no question that he's going to walk in that fight feeling like he has walked through everything he's needed to walk through to get back to this fight, and he's prepared for this fight. I, you know, I, I, I'm not... I'm not saying Daniel Cormier is going to beat John Jones because I don't think he will simply because Jones is Jones. But Jones has to fight a really good fight. He can't be screwing around and he can't take uh, half measures at all. I mean, he, he has to be sharp and he has to be sharp from the beginning. If Cormier has any momentum in the first two rounds, I mean, watch out. Watch out. I, the one thing that I am curious to see is if his approach is the same because everything in that fight for Cormier and for most Cormier fights, but this fight in particular was pressure, 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 pace, 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 get in his face. Javier Mendez is screaming, dog fight, dog fight. This is what we want, dog fight. Well, at a certain point, I don't care who you are, you know, it's just you're not going to be able to maintain that pace. So there's going to be have, have to be some tactical moments. And I think he's learned enough that Gustafson fight helped him learn enough about how to sort of overcome really difficult moments and persevere. And I, I think Cormier is better for that. And, and to me, that gets me really excited about this rematch. And again, like I said, I, if he's ever going to beat John Jones, it'll be this fight. And if he does, then all bets are off for the for the trilogy because anything can happen. Jones' whole idea of like I'm perfect, I've never been beaten, you have, you suck, that goes away. And I think I think there's bigger mind games for John Jones if he loses than there were for Daniel Cormier the first time that he lost to John Jones. If if we get to a trilogy, I think that's absolutely true because I mean John Jones is able to he's able to carry out and construct this new devil may devil may care persona because of the fact that he hasn't actually blown it in the cage yet and he can still cling to the idea of being the best fighter ever. If he goes out and and blows it and Daniel Cormier is able to get the better of him, like the very foundation that he bases like this entire construct, like it's okay that I do all these things because look at the results I turn out. I mean, right. it's it it just kicks the whole apple cart over. It's it. it's not going to be Rousey. I mean, Jones will yeah. come back and he'll be motivated and angry. It's not going to be a Rousey situation where he just disappears. But a, a lot of the things that he said to justify his actions and who he was as a person, as a competitor, that goes out the window. That's gone. Um, but we still have to get past this fight on Saturday, so we'll see what happens. But uh, um, I, I, I'm excited for this fight for for multiple reasons. You know, who they are as competitors, their skills, how different they are. I mean, that's intriguing. When you see two fighters, completely different statures, completely different uh, skill sets in a lot of ways, the, their approach to the fight is totally different, and yet somehow they mesh, and it, it is still an exciting contest. And the first fight was exciting. I mean, really, until that eye poke, it was almost an even fight. And... Um, uh, and then Jones got back to wrestling in the fourth round and, and, and really sort of picked it up. I wonder how quick he gets to wrestling in this, in this fight, you know? I, I, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if Jones, you know, because sharpness can, you see sharpness manifest more in stand-up than, than in grappling. And I think if he can get Cormier down and sort of beat on him and maybe try and pass guard, and, you know, they're talking about his jiu-jitsu, Mr. Blue Belt, on all this stuff now. <laughs> I, 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 I think, uh, I, I think that is a more obvious path to a dominant victory for Jones than just trying to play the similar uh, game plan that he had in the first fight. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it. I mean, I think it's, it's, I, I am curious both about the strategic adjustments and how they play within the fight. Cause one of the things that did come out in the first fight is uh, emotion and passion. Cormier had surprisingly good success. and was like in the correct range inside of Jones boxing reach but outside of clinch range, landing leg kicks in the first round of the first fight and kind of completely abandoned it once Jones started tagging him a bit. 
It was almost the way that like Michael Johnson chewed Nathan Diaz up with leg kicks. And then as soon as Nate like gawked in his face and challenges manhood, Michael Johnson just turned into a psycho and got his face boxed in and didn't throw like a single leg kick for the rest of the fight. Meanwhile, the most emasculating moment, really, like I think the telltale moment and the like, the, the takeaway for me and a lot of people was round four when Jones took Cormier down, seemingly just out of spite, as if to like humiliate him. It worked. I mean, Absolutely, really, it worked. It, it, it worked, and you, you look. He, you wonder why he didn't play around with that in in some of the other rounds in the fight. If he's sometimes these fighters just get away from these things, they want to establish something else to go back to it. Um, I don't know. Uh, do you do you know what Tom and Jerry means? Like, yeah. what what is that? Cat and mouse? I mean, yeah. but what? But in what what sense? I mean, like it ha- because that was the words from Greg Jackson and and uh, their corner to Jones heading into the fourth round, and then he goes back to takedowns. So I'm wondering if you know. I, I don't know if there's any connection, and I haven't talked to Greg about it. I, I need to, but uh, I'm just curious about that. Maybe mixing up more, or or fainting more, or or playing here and going somewhere else. I well, don't know. My conception, especially if if it's it's in an effort to set up the takedown, would be they would want to get Cormier running. And then probably level change and segue into like a different phase, as as Greg would say, phase of phase of the fight, different phase but, of fight. But that wasn't even because, the take. The takedown was just like Jones, like, oh, I'm gonna grab your legs and take you out from under you, and you can't do anything, Daniel Cormier, Mister Olympian. I mean, that's like, basically isn't, what isn't it came your down image to. of a Tom and Jerry cartoon: uh, the mouse running really fast, and ultimately the cat running face first into the wall. Sure. I mean, like, like, like. I mean, I know there's other there's other uh, gags and 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 prat balls and stuff like that. But when I when I think of like like what is the fundamental gag of the Tom and Jerry cartoon? It's it's always which one's which one's the cat is Tom Tom must be the cat like Tom's Tom. the cat yeah. yeah. So Tom is chasing Jerry at warp speed. We go through a million cycles of the same frame. Ultimately, he goes through the mouse hole in the wall, and Tom goes face first in the wall. Like that's their version of Wiley e. Coyote going off the edge and then realizing, and suddenly gravity kicks in. Right. So, I mean, how, I know you said sort of you the technical breakdown you were getting on the the roundtable and stuff, but I'm curious for your opinion, like. What adjustment, what, what, what's the main adjustment that Cormier has to make in this fight? Well, I, I don't think, for the reason we just talked about, it, it's, it's like this is one of the things that makes this fight so damn good is you can't really separate, you know, the, tex- the technical from the, the extracurricular because when we're talking about their first fight and how far they've come uh, or what they may look like two and a half years on, knowing that one guy got away from what was working for him in the first fight because he clearly got upset and into the passion of the fight. And another guy used tactics to uh, quite obviously try to upset rankle and publicly humiliate the other. You can't really separate the two. So I'd say in, in terms of Cormier, it like is like he, he charged so much at Jones early and I think it's got to be, and I know easier said than done for reasons we've talked about. John Jones at his very best is a miserable technical style matchup for Dan Cormier. But Cormier had good success pressing and pressuring him, but it was so constant that he ate a lot of shots. Uh, by the middle of the fight, he was running into a lot of the body shots that I think really allowed Jones to take over in four and five and, and put his stamp on the fight. So it's got to be like a more kind of stop-start attack, like, like there's no way that Cormier can just stand there and let John Jones try to kick him in the, like the shins to death. That's a terrible idea, but it, Cormier just can't be running and swarming since maybe that Tom Jerry walls right around the corner. Like that's the thing that I thought really, you know, it was like his early success in that fight 
was like a Pyrrhic victory because he put so much into it that the damage he ended up absorbing just didn't allow him to have any wind in his sails later in the fight. So I think he's got to find ways to get in with those punching bursts, but just not make it a complete chasing game with him and Jones. Again, easier and, and, said than done. Right, and he almost, like, he to get where he wanted to get, it seemed like he wanted to get in the clinch, but every time he got in the clinch, he, he lost those battles mostly. Yeah. I mean, he, he landed some punches on the inside, and he landed a few shots to Jones' face, but Jones dominated the clinch action. And so when you're Daniel Cormier and you're, you know, the Greco guy, and you're, like, the stout, powerful guy, and you've dominated everybody else in the clinch, and here you have Jones, and he just... I mean, he's throwing elbows from where people throw punches. And, like, when he's on the inside, the knees, the knee to the stomach really changed yeah. everything. I mean, that, but that's still there. So what do you do if you're DC? You don't avoid the clinch, but how do you negotiate that clinch? How do you, fig- how do you manipulate it to play it to your favor? How do you do it so you're not straight up with Jones and he can land a, a, knee, a knee down the midsection? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the answer to these questions are, but I, I think he's equipped to answer them. I think he's smart enough to... Uh, not just go back to what he did in the first fight. And so I want to see. I want to see his approach. Um, for all his wrestling and strength, I mean, it's a very difficult thing against a guy who's got a ton of leverage. We even saw it against Gustafson, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know where it is that Cormier really musters a victory. Uh, maybe just sheer will, and that's possible. But, um, you know, I, I, the clinch where you would, like, assume, like, Cormier wants to be here, he got beat up there last fight, and everybody gets beat up in John Jones' clinch. It's a hell, it's a hellish place to be. So, I, I'm I'm not quite sure what the approach is and and, and where they want to take it. Um, if if it's full bore, just go nonstop, Javier Mendez style. I mean, I, I just think he'll he'll wilt again unless Jones, you know, just isn't sharp and isn't ready for this kind of moment. Uh, and that's a possibility, but I think it's a slim possibility. So. It's always possible that Cormier just runs in and blasts him with some heavy punches, Jones turtles, and and that's it. This is no, I don't think so. Jones no, has got I'm, a good chin. Jones is oh, taking I, a lot oh, of I shots. Don't, I don't disagree. I'm just saying yeah. that this is like this is something that is not crazy and beyond the realm. What I wanted to to say beyond that though is, if Dan Cormier is somehow the round winner, if he faces a sharp John Jones, and judges and at large the MMA population agree, this man won over 25 minutes. I can only imagine what what that would entail, that even without seeing a second of it, even with it being a figment of my hypothetical imagination, or hypothetical figment of imagination, my imagination is very real, uh, even with that said, it would have to be one of the most stunning performances I've ever seen. Like, for Cormier to be a round winner and to beat a sharp John Jones, whatever that may look like, it would, it would have to be stupendous by the very nature of the thing. Right. And he's, he seems capable of that, right? I mean, you're not, it, it may be slim margins, but he seems capable of that. I've said before that there are certain fights where this person would need to be perfect and do this and that, or this person needs a knockout because how else? Really? Co- how, Cody Garbrandt's going to be the round winner against Dominic Cruz? Oh, by the way, he's going to do it while acting like Dominic Cruz and doing the alley shuffle in his face? And turning his face into like the elephant man, that's what's gonna happen. No, he needs one punch to win, Josh. That's how it happened, right? Cody Garbrandt landed a one-two and devastated Dominic Cruz. Sometimes people really do put on like 
I, I always think of like maybe like the most perfect MMA performance ever or the most perfect performances being like stand-up eviscerations or maybe stand-up eviscerations where someone destroys someone else's game. I think of something like the Crow Cop Silver rematch or one that always stands out to me, the GSP Hughes rematch, where Hughes is still in a fairly prime physical form and he just absolutely has nothing for GSP and everything he does makes him look like a rank amateur and he's being hurt until he's finally finished off. But... There's something to be said for just pristine 25-minute performances where people dominate, if not start to finish, the way something like Garbrandt and Cruz happened. Then maybe something like, like more recently, Robert Whitaker's performance start to finish against Yoel Romero was masterful. It is, it is a brilliant 25-minute of MMA competition and perseverance and skill and ability. So if Cormier is able to do that in spite of the style matchup and John Jones being on point, I mean, that's a that's a kiss your finger sort of thing. Yeah. Is it not necessary for Jones to be the Jones that Cormier says he is, the guy that beats himself? I mean, is, isn't that sort of required in this fight for Cormier to win? Is, do, do you see any measure of where Jones is faultless and doesn't make mistakes and he loses? That, that's I can't no. I can't see that. I <laughs> no. can't see that. No, that's that's what I mean. Like yeah. when I say sharp. I mean, like, John Jones obviously isn't, like, the, we- the, the, the wheels aren't spinning off towards the curb as round one, round two starts. Um, but if John Jones is in any form of, like, serious John Jones vintage, I mean, Cormier would need the best punch or punch solve of his entire career. And even then, like you said, John Jones has a fantastic chin. Cormier does, too. But uh, it's, it's, it's different the kind of punishment that Dan Cormier or John Jones will put on Dan Cormier versus the kind of one shots that Gustafson and even Anthony Johnson in the first fight got him with, you know, right. Right. Dan Henderson has one of the best chins in MMA history. It didn't really matter when Dan Cormier accosted him for an unconscionable length of time. Sure. So, I mean, for if John Jones isn't really, like you said, if John Jones comes out of the gate and is able to take him down and beat on him again, that's one of those things where psychology plays into the, the technique of the fight and the strategy of the fight. If Jones is like seeking the takedown early, I'm sure it's not just because, oh, we can take a lot of his stamina away early. That's clearly a consideration, but a lot of it is to do with the, the way the, the technical plays into the psychological to take Dan Cormier down off the bat if we see something like that. Yeah. It's an intense so, fight. I mean, it's, there's a lot to be excited about. It's an intense fight. And these are the kinds of fights that we look forward to, right? I mean, they're, they're rare. This They're is why incre- we do it, man. This is right, why this, we do is, it. This, this is increasingly rare to see these kinds of fights. So, um, I, I, you know, for all the foibles and all the stuff that John Jones has put fans through and, and put the promotion through and put opponents through, put himself through, but, you know, it's the, you care less about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, sincerely, it's like his yeah. life. And, but um, this, this is the kind of fight that you look at and you feel like, okay, if – you at all care about combat sports. If you all consider yourself a person who enjoys fights, like you have to watch this fight. You have to watch this fight. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I don't even care if you like fighting so much. If you enjoy two people competing, if you're the sort of person that watches the script spelling bee because you just want to know which homeschool kids can win, you still got to tune in. This is this is even just what like prize fighting or MMA is about. This is like what competing and rivalry and and, and the like is sure. about. Sure. Last thing, Josh. You mentioned baseball earlier. You know, every sport has its uh, ghouls and boogeymen. If Jones wins and looks sharp and seems poised to return to the form that everyone expected of him and, and everyone imagined, everyone knows that he's capable of, 
what then of him being in a position of competitive grace again, but doing it while being someone that has made clear, I don't care about being the bad guy anymore. If I want to do a little cocaine, but can still have a responsible 10, 12 week training camp, I'm going to do it. Deal with it. This is not, this is not baseball's Alex Rodriguez hating him because he's kind of aloof and doesn't show up the way they need in the playoffs. This is a different kind of unrepentant antisocial attitude coming from someone that now more than ever, the UFC needs some faces for this company that can sell. Is what of John Jones in public if he returns to greatness and returns to the pound for pound throne in his new incarnation in public persona? Well, look, he's as a physical specimen, as a competitor, he's now 30. And if he's out there partying and doing the things that he had done in the past, that's he, he's not going to be able to handle it the way he did when he was a kid. That's just life. That, I don't care who you are. It's, it doesn't matter what kind of physical freak he is. Um, those things begin taking a toll in ways that they hadn't before, and he will feel the effect of that in ways that he hadn't before. So I think if he goes back to being that guy, then things are going to go downhill for John Jones, not only in the cage, but outside in his personal life and everything else. I mean, he's, he has spoken about himself as an addict, right? I mean, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the real deal, if you're really an addict, if you're really someone who fights this battle on a constant daily basis of, you know, these things are on your mind, you want to do them, but you, you, that's a real thing. That's a very real thing. And, and probably the, the hardest fight of his life. Um, he can't just go back to that because that's going to knock everything that he's apparently worked for off the table. It, it really will. I don't care who you are. We've seen it a hundred million times and you know, um, I think, I think it's okay for him to be unrepentant. I think it's okay for him to be an asshole, but if he starts taking the same sort of mistakes and repeating them, then he will, he's already paid major prices for that. And, and if he's that stupid to do that stuff again, and he just doesn't have control over his life, then he's going to pay a, a, a price that, you know, maybe he thinks he, he's not going to, he's, he's gotten a lot with, he's gotten a lot of, he's gotten away with a lot already. I mean, he really has. Um, I, I don't see that lasting if he goes back to that lifestyle. If you're, if you're saying like, just in terms of his attitude and the way that he carries himself and he's like, screw you, I'm living for myself. I don't know anyone, anything. That's fine. That's a, the, the man is fighting for a living in a cage. Like he should be selfish, you know? I, he should he should be selfish and cocky and, and arrogant. He shouldn't be stupid, and he shouldn't make choices that hinder his ability to be great in the cage. I mean, I don't know if he looks at it that way, but th that would be the wrong path. But I, but I think in terms of his attitude or his regard for fans or, you know, really, he he owes it to himself. Is it just a man who wakes up every day? He owes it to really. I mean, I mean his family and his kids, but a lot of people have cast aside their family and their kids and really couldn't have cared less um, and, and lived their life and, you know, for better or for worse, you know, maybe he's that guy. I don't know. But, you know, the bottom line that for, for us, for the purposes of why we're talking about John Jones, we're talking about him because of his ability as a fighter and his competitiveness and his greatness. And if he starts can, uh, once again to do things that take away from that, then, yeah, he, he, he risks a lot. He risks a lot, and, and that, that would be unfortunate. And, you know, he is, because of who he is and because of what he's accomplished, uh, fairly or not, and, and probably just the way the world works, you know, this is just how it happens sometimes, you know, he has managed to deal with that and now put himself in a position again. And I like what Daniel Cormier said. The redemption for John Jones 
is competing again. Redemption for John Jones is being a good person. And, and I, I don't mean like trying to get, oh, I'm a better person than you, and so I deserve to win. But for, for an addict, those are real things. Those are real points of emphasis that you have to um, look at and hold on to. It's not becoming champion again. I mean, if he becomes champion again, that's because Jones is great and he, he's just his ability shines through. But for him, it is about going through the process of going through the steps of preparing himself for battle, of stepping in the cage, of, of being worthy and stepping in the octagon against someone like Daniel Cormier. Those things are very real. And you hope that Jones recognizes that and feels that. Because if he doesn't feel that, he doesn't respect that he's going to go back to screwing up again. I mean, that's just almost inevitable. And I, I hope he doesn't. I don't have any vested interest. I really don't care. But just as someone who like watches fights and, and has seen so many great fighters over the years and, and recognizes, as so many people do, that Jones is a special breed, you don't want to see that loss. We've already seen it lost. He's fought once in two and a half years. For what reason? Because he's a fuck-up. Like, just don't be that guy anymore. Show that you've grown and you've matured. And if he does, then yes, he can go down as the person that he says he is. And, and people will have no par- problem saying it. They already do. Um, I, I, I think the bottom line is that he needs to be himself. Now, if being yourself is, is an out-of-control addict, then, then he's not going to be a great fighter at, at the end of the day. He's, he's not going to be the greatest fighter that he could have been, put it that way. You know? Uh, I, 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 through this entire conversation, every time I think of John Jones, I think of Lawrence Taylor, right? Uh, and, and Lawrence Taylor was an unbelievably game-changing football player. And he did things in his personal life that he got away with for a long time, but eventually he didn't, and it cost him. And it, I'm sure it cost him years, and I'm sure it cost him, you know, it, it cost him in reputation and everything else. You don't want to see that with a guy like John Jones. You just don't want to see it. It's up to him. And, and I guess at the end of the day, I mean, this is an individual pursuit, and it's why I've talked about great competitors and great winners are, can be selfish, and you can understand that. I, I would like to see him be selfish in the right ways. Be selfish for himself. You know, don't put himself in really stupid positions. Recognize the importance of not doing that. And, and don't feel arrogant in saying, oh, I can do it. No, you can't. You're, no, you're a human being. Like, it's really, at the end of the day, you can't do that over the long run. It's just not how it works. And um, maybe he's matured enough to that point. We'll see. We'll see. If he goes off and wins the title, um, there's going to be a lot of people who say, hey, Jones, you want to bump? And we'll see what he says. Josh Gross, read the man in the Guardian. Buy his book, Alley versus Inoki, the forgotten fight that inspired mixed martial arts. And if you already own a copy, read it again. Listen to the Outsiders podcast with the big homie Jeff Sherwood, patreon.com slash MMA Outsiders. And follow me on Twitter at yay underscore ye. Nudge, elbow, punch, kick, step on somebody's laptop. Whatever you have to do to get a seat in press row on the SureDog.com blog. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.